so uh one we were talking about movies earlier i watched bombshell for the first time Ooh, how was that I get it. And it was a very sensitive subject and like they portrayed it very well. Mm-hmm. I almost vomited a couple times because the men in it are so just dis- deplorably disgusting. Mm. But it was just okay. Like I felt myself being like, wait, what are they talking about? Like, I don't know. I was paying attention to the movie too. And like, I look at Wes and I was like, wait, is that the same person from before? Like who, what, what? Like, there's a lot of characters and they like put their name up on the screen. And I guess like, truly, I don't, I didn't follow that whole scandal. So like maybe mm-hmm. if I had done that, I would have understood it a little better, but overall the acting was very good. Um, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie was great. Who's the guy? John Lithgow. Oh, so gross, but so good. <laughs> he, he does it well. <laughs> yeah. Blech. Yes. Yes. But on my list next is run. I want to see it so bad. What's that? With Sarah yeah. Paulson and her daughters in the wheelchair. Oh, on in on Hulu. Yes. That's another Hulu movie. I, I haven't watch checked it out. So bad. Did you guys watch that short 12-minute video on Netflix? It's like, if something happens to me, I love you. No, but is I Is that I, animated? I, yes. It came oh, across no. my title, but I didn't watch it. It came watch across it. mine too. So, oh, oh no. Watch it. Is it sad? Yeah. <gasps> oh no. My eyes are already watering. I don't even know what it's about. Brooke <laughs> was over and we we're gonna watch um like have some Christmas stuff on the background. Yeah. We were just yeah. kinda like bitching honestly about stuff and um, i was like well everyone on tiktok's talking about this let's be a youth let's see what it is two minutes in she's like bruh, 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 bruh. oh no and i'm just oh, clinging wow. to my chest like i don't know what i've done but we have to finish it like it's only 12 minutes oh no so do it but i'm like when you're ready for a good cry do it. yeah okay okay so yeah. like half a bottle of wine in you don't even need it but yes you could oh, God. if you really want to get yourself over the edge to cry mm-hmm. for the month that's what i would do Highly recommend, Dr. Sarah said. <laughs> Dr. Sarah. I am not a licensed psychologist, <laughs> but I have seen that this works. <laughs> when you need to just let it out. Yes. Okay, well, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. So I've got my spooky with yeah. or thriller, rather. Yes. That's what it's titled. Yes. And then uh, I'll watch that. Well, depending on how spooky it is, maybe I will watch it after to just make myself forget. We'll see. It's heavy. It yeah. is a heavy one. Yeesh. I don't know. Run just kind of rem- like watching the trailers. It kind of looks like uh, the act, but better. Mm-hmm. So I'm. I couldn't yeah. finish the act. I never oh, watched it. I watched the entire thing. I watched it until um, she started getting kind of sexual because she. Ugh. Oh yeah, no, it's it's fucking weird. It's so weird. For whatever reason, watching that mom abuse her daughter, I was like. We can stomach this, but in the moment the daughter has this kid voice and she's like saying weird Ugh! stuff to a guy, I had to turn off. Yep. Because Clayton mm-hmm. was with me and he's like, I feel like this is my child. And I was like, and we're done. Wes is like, Wes was just like staring at the screen, like his eyes were just, I've never seen him bigger. And he Bugging was just out. Like, he's like, no, 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 no. And I was like, yeah, we can like skip this part. Like, we get, then we get the premise. It's the wigs for me. It was the wig and the voice the for, me. for me. <laughs> like, I just, went, no. Yeah, her, I know her life was hard, but man, that doc, that show was hard. Yeah, yeah. You know what's not hard? Listening to Sinister Sunrise. Hey. Good morning. Hey. Good morning, everyone. Uh, and we are reporting all together. Yeah. From Aaron's basement. Yay. Yeah. Let's yes. see how this goes. So. Uh, what? Our first time recording in person since like March? Yeah. 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 It's been a bit. Because one time we tried and then. 
technical glitches. And mm-hmm. We tested this one three, three or four times. So thrice, thrice times. <laughs> so yes, yeah. yay! I'm so excited. I love yeah. recording with you guys. I'm pumped. There's no delay in what I'm seeing on my Skype call. Yes, <laughs> yes. Versus what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, no. Sometimes you guys, your faces would freeze, but it's never a freeze where you're like smiling. It's always where you're like kind of intense. <laughs> yeah. And I would be like, "Isn't that funny?" <laughs> and then no one, no one's responding. You're like, "What's happening?" I'm a Gemini. I need you to tell me it's funny. So many cricket sound effects. Yes. Just, <laughs> but yes. yes. So uh, today, Aaron has the game for us. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we're very excited to be together. Yeah. Let's kick it off right. Yeah. All right. And Morgan, you gave me this idea. You reminded me. Oh. So here's what we're going to do. Okay. Pen on the paper. Close your eyes. Oh, no. Draw your best snowman without looking. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Add the hat, add the arms, add whatever okay. else you want. Your best snowman. And we will um, rate each other. I'm already, I'm already fucked up. <laughs> I didn't press hard enough, so I don't know where the top is. <laughs> Are you done, Sarah? Yeah, because I had so much confidence. I was like, we're going to make it small. Guys, something does not connect. <gasps> oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> I've realized I'm not good at this game, and I should stop. It looks it. like he has a little wiener. <laughs> it's Wait, what is the nose? It looks like his face is entirely off his body. Hey, it That's looks his like arm. a face, though. Yeah, he had a really great massage, and now he's just one with Earth. <laughs> hey, that's his nose. That, that one's good. Smile. That I know exactly what that is. So Guys, Morgan won, right? Yeah. I I put three buttons, but I don't know where the third button went. Did it go in another button? You know what I mean? Drawing this snowman, I was like, all right, bottom. Well, that one. And then I was like, I drew an eight. That button looks a lot darker. Maybe you just went over it again. Maybe I just. He double buttoned. That one does not have a mouth because that is a nose. Oh. I think I skipped it. (laughs) See, this is your face is real close. My face is down here and off to the side. (laughs) Let me see yours. Look. (laughs) Like the hat's right here. It's very abstract. I do that quite yes. well apparently yes look at my look at his arms they're like they're just little arrows <laughs> so we have made the first pieces of art for aaron's basement I yes think. where are you going to hang them up yes that's your next well uh, we can't cover plan. the cute shiplap wall no so um i'm gonna hang mine over a window so the sun shines through it <laughs> i will autograph it for you <laughs> yeah all right awesome wow yeah and we can so, take pictures of these and share them yes. too if we want <laughs> yeah of course we're gonna sign them Duh. Maybe, you know, I, I was looking at our Instagram and I was like, hmm, what are some games we did in the past? And I was like, oh, the maze one. And I flipped through them and I was like, hmm, Aaron, what happened that day? Aaron's maze. <laughs> I think like- I had a stroke. <laughs> I don't know what was happening. <laughs> well, because I was doing so well. And then I'm like, oh, like I went around the same thing. The line was, was like, like fuzzy. Like it was like, like. <laughs> Well, then at that point, I used often? a pen. No, I was telling Morgan the other day, I have been buying stuff off of Crafted in St. Louis. And this one lady I went to pick up my thing from, um, she was, her house was on the main drag. So when I was going, she didn't live in a subdivision. It was just right on the street. So I'm okay. like, like, I was driving around and I'm like, this is it. She's down in the subdivision. I'm going to have to pay attention. And my GPS wasn't taking me the right way. 
And it like, I was looking for the 3000 numbers. Mm. It was taking me on a street that had two thousands. And I'm like, it's my GPS, but I know I'm kind of in the right area. So I shit you not. I did it two times. I <laughs> took another circle. Cause it kind of took me around like the same area anyway. So I was like, okay, took a circle, did the same thing. And I'm like, I think I kind of know where it is. Took a circle passed it up again. And I was like, I swear to God, third time's a charm. I'm just going to message her and say, ship it to me. I don't care how much it is <laughs> if I pass it again. So then I did, I did it a, a third time. I did pass it, but I was like, I think that's the house. So I was able to kind of turn around, but I didn't message her because I was like, just making sure I'm at the right place. Cause it wasn't like a, sometimes they keep like a little bag out front. Well, she kept hers in a tub. So oh. I didn't want to like go up and start rummaging through this person's things. If it wasn't the right place. I would <laughs> yeah like what god forbid story. someone comes out like get off my lawn <laughs> you hoosier what are you doing going yeah. through my stuff boy the other ones i've the other gifts i picked up great that one took a little bit of time well i told aaron i was like if you are like a passionate crafter and you're having people come pick it up especially during you know covid times yeah you need to be like i'm paint your mailbox yellow or like tie, tie a balloon to your house or like hey mm -hmm. it's the chicken flag out front like yeah. something she did that will like signify, you mm -hmm. know, she did message and she was like, yeah, the blue door. And I'm like, okay, so I'm definitely at the right place. Very nice. Here we go. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. So thankfully she was messaging me. Cause I was like, what if she's not even like on her phone? Yeah. Like I'm just screwed. But yeah. Yes. That happened. That was my journey yesterday, but. Gotta help those small businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And bought... speaking of which, Sarah has an Etsy. I do yeah. have an Etsy shop. Often forgotten. Not. Yeah. It's great. They can't yeah. forget it. You can't forget it. It is S-N-L, all capital letters, all one word, crafting with the capital C on Etsy. Like Saturday Night Live, mm -hmm. crafting. Like my parents had a sense of humor when they <laughs> named me crafting. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, she does she's great stuff. If you need like, you know, last minute holiday gifts, check it out. Yeah. yeah. Anything. Yeah. yeah. Any of your vinyl needs, um, give me a call. And her prices are very reasonable. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> I'm a Midwest gal. We don't like to get people out of their money, all right? What's fair is fair. It's beautiful. Nice. All right. Uh, yeah, I you're... don't know between you two, though. <clears throat> oh, I, I would say Sarah would go second, most definitely. Not to toot my own wean horn here, but I, mean, I would face, say I'm I mean, face your is... hat is on-ish. Yeah, hat. Okay. he's just tipping his hat. Your yeah. hat has been thrown. Yeah, the my whole face, face has closer. been thrown. <laughs> yeah, you got the body, but not the face, Aaron. Like, look at the little cold <laughs> buttons right there. I got, I got. Oh, they're in a row. Yeah. Okay. Just at the bottom. <laughs> Yeesh. Yeah, I would say Morgan, Sarah, and then myself. So. Okay. Well, fine. I will go first. <clears throat> <clears throat> Twist your arm. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are, episode forty-five. First and foremost, thank you. You're already laughing. Mm -hmm. Just 45. I'm sorry, guys. I mess up the number of our episodes every time. <laughs> yeah, if you go back and look at a post number, I don't know the post number, but it should be episode 43. It says it in the description is 43, but the image on Instagram says 42. It's so cute. So just, yeah. well, in the week before I made episode 43 and it was 41. Yeah. But luckily we caught that one. Yeah. I, I almost seem to put tallies on my arm <laughs> like shot night. Like, yeah. Okay. 43, 44. <laughs> All right. But it is 45. 45. So, uh, first and foremost, thank you to our listener, Yasmin, for this topic idea. Um, he has submitted before, and they're always fantastic. Uh, and this was, again, just like the Dover Demon that he gave me the topic idea. I have never heard of this one. 
So today I am bringing you Spring Heeled Jack. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Is that um, a coffee? It did not come up when I searched it, so... No. Hmm. I have weird dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Well, we, we do know that. All right. <clears throat> uh, I will list a couple of my sources throughout my story here, but I'll also list them in the show notes. So, um, atlasabsora.com had an article titled, Meet spring Jack, the leaping devil that terrorized Victorian England. <gasps> so definitely oh. not a coffee. So, like, if that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't give you a little vibe of what's about to go down, then here we go. So, Jack first made his appearance in 1837, following bizarre, quote, harassments from a ghost, imp, or devil, and it was in the shape of a, quote, large white bull. Wikipedia states that spring Jack was described as having a, quote, terrifying, frightful appearance, clawed hands, and eyes that resembled red balls of fire. Dang. <laughs> Scary. Many state he has a diabolical or devil-like appearance, while others say he was tall, thin, and looking like a gentleman. This, all along with several reports, he could, quote, breathe out blue and white flames and wore sharp metallic claws at his fingertips. So uh, is he a woman from 2020 that went back with the claws? <laughs> <laughs> metallic, metallic. I was thinking almost like a Wolverine-esque. Yes. Like, ah, not yeah. like knives. Okay, okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. But the gentleman thing, so if you Google pictures of him, and of course in our post for this week's episode, um, you know, I'll have a picture of him. It does kind of look like most of the pictures, like, yeah, some of them kind of look like a little devilish face or like a, like more monster-esque, but the majority of them are just this like man in white pants with a top hat and a cape and claws. And so hmm. varying accounts, varying accounts. So <clears throat> again, my next line, while his varying appearances <laughs> may be scary, his quote, <laughs> attacks on people were worse. Uh, he got his name from leaping rooftop to rooftop um, or just bebopping around town. Um, again, according to atlasabzora.com, quote, while mainly attacking women, I put in parentheses, boo, frowny face, the, <laughs> the figure slash monster would ring a doorbell and when someone would answer, he would ravage their clothes with his claws. Other reports are of him just attacking people on the street. Uh, hmm. These attacks continued for the next year or two. So yes, uh, this... Uh, Again, this happened in the 1800s, so the site did say doorbell. I don't know when doorbells were invented, but regardless, he's trying to ding-dong ditch without the ditch. Yeah. Would it have been like an old-fashioned doorbell, like where it was an oh, actual bell? Like you pull it. Maybe. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, see, this is why I say these things out loud. That may not even be real. I don't know. I just... Something was rang, and someone came to the door, and instead of him being like, hee-hee-hee, and running away, he was like, bah-ha, and like scratched. <laughs> yeah, and just, not the... Like, Cut you up. Not yeah. the ding dong that you want. <laughs> ding dong stitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Woo. <clears throat> okay. All right. And uh, in February of 1838, um, this is when two more of the well known attacks took place. And of course, we're both on women. Jack, you're not my favorite person. Um, so, Jane Alsop. Uh, was coaxed out of her home by someone stating they had caught Jack and needed help. She went with him 
and it was, quote, Jack. He attacked her, ripping her clothes, and breathed blue, blue flames, uh, cutting her with his metal claws. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, Jane, like, was able to, like, make enough, like, scene and kind of, like, get away a little bit where her sister heard her and came to her rescue. And just a few days after this attack, another attack took place in a different part of London. Lucy Scales was walking with her sister, ironically both involved sisters, weird, when a, quote, shadowy man jumped out, also allegedly blowing blue flames into her face, causing her to have some kind of seizure. Uh, the testimonies of these two is what led to a more modern idea of this, quote, gentlemanly devil figure. So these two attacks were the most well-known because, like, one, they were kind of more public, mm -hmm. and also, like, there was kind of a witness to it almost um so they described it more as this like bad guy rather than like a monster so while the attacks lessened um they also there were also quote copycat attacks and those were happening and when people basically were like just jumping on the bandwagon to be a part of the legend that's kind of what they thought that's mm -hmm. also why they say like okay like the first one jane and then a couple days later, a whole different part of London, like, this is the 1800s, like, you're not mm -hmm. getting anywhere too fast, so. Oh, yeah. They weren't really sure. In 1904, Jack made what is considered his last confirmed appearance in Liverpool, where he was witnessed leaping up and down the street before jumping onto the rooftops and bounding away forever. <laughs> bounding away forever? <laughs> Can you just jump off into the sky? <laughs> jump off into the just, sunset. He was yeah. like, <laughs> oh, the romance. Yeah. Uh, you know... When you're spring-heeled, anything's possible. Mm -hmm. <sighs> spring-heeled Jack today lives on as a spooky legend, the boogeyman of England, and a char and character that influences some steampunk novels and Penny Dreadfuls. Mm. I did not know what a Penny Dreadful was, so I had to look it up. It is a cheap, popular, uh, like, serial literature produced in the UK back then. So, yeah, he's basically, I also read he's like, he can be like it's kind of since he's like a legend he's in like plays and stuff like they just kind of like don't let your spring hill jack get you blah, 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 you know whatever but yeah. yeah so again it was a long time ago he made a longer appearance than the dover demon but <laughs> that was about maybe 24 hours yeah this one was like a couple years but it does kind of sound to me like Maybe there was one bad guy. Maybe he was like a serial killer or a serial attacker rather since he's scraping people up. Yeah. And then other people were like, hey, I want to do that. I don't know. <laughs> he sounds pretty cool. Yeah, he's like, mm, okay, spicy. I just want to know what the blue flames could have been. Yeah. I, That's right? very specific. Like the knifey hands, those could be knives. Yeah. I'm shaking my hands around like I, this is how I'd hold my knife. Like you hands. can, <laughs> what is it? Um, What are they called? Well, the, the person who like hits metal. Welder? Hey. A blacksmith? A blacksmith! There it is. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean, maybe, obviously, back then, if I was like, hey, can you make me some, like, curved things that go between my fingers? Like a knife, but a little more stylish. I think maybe the blacksmith would be like, hey, huh? But that's also a possibility. He can make some custom scratchies. But the blue thing. I yeah. know. And also, it didn't say, it just said sh that he blew the flames. Like, it didn't say they were burned. None of them. It's just, you just holding a torch? Like, <laughs> can a hairspray like i don't <laughs> i don't know I, yeah you just practicing to be a fire breather i don't know yeah hmm. is the claws that got me so with the yeah like clothes were expensive back then i'm gonna see rude. sherlock holmes solve this case like obviously <laughs> whoever's in hollywood can you make this movie now yeah 
Hell yeah. To all of Hollywood. From <clears> us. <throat> from <throat> us. Thank you. I'd watch. I'd yeah. watch. That'd be cool. But yeah, so that's uh, Spring Heel Jack for you. Very, Very cool. interesting. Bum, bum, bum. So you think he's definitely a person? Uh, y- yes. You don't I... think he left off into the moonlight? No. I think he's a person, and I think there was copycat people. Mm-hmm. But some people say he looked like a little demon. But you know what? If I was being attacked by someone like that, I, I would be like, it had to be someone with devilish intent. You know, like, I don't know. And it was... 1800s? Yeah, 1838. Mm-hmm. What beauty products do they have? Because you probably did, I'm sorry, look a little demonish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just watched the Christmas Carol, like the Jim Carrey one. Mm-hmm. Well, they like made everyone look realistic and everyone like had acne and like red blotchy skin. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. That could be a little demonish. I have never seen that one. Because the Creepy. animation freaks me out. It's, I don't know what age group it's for like it's on disney plus but it is mm-hmm. not for kids oh there's like existential crises 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 like at one point he's running down these alleys with these dark horses with red eyes chasing them and like the alleys are closing in it looks like a fever dream that you want to wake up from mm-hmm. it's scary okay so stick with a muppet christmas carol That's <laughs> or a- the mickey one mickey mouse has a nice yeah. one yes he does the one with is that where the harmonica when he gives it to Minnie? Oh, wait, no, that's not Christmas Carol. That's just soul. Yeah, it is. It could be. Okay. Or... It's like three parts, isn't it? It's um, Mickey yeah. Christmas. Just watch. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole The mouse thing. has got it going on. Okay? Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Miss Morgan. You're very welcome. Mm-hmm. Sarah. Sarah. You're up. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> Make your jokes. I used to drag race, and I put these, um, like, shiny stickers on my four-wheeler. I drag race four-wheelers. But the first A came off, so it was Sarah. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Every time I tried to be cool, something went wrong. Like when I wanted ballin' on my jacket, my grandma put bookin'. <gasps> I forgot that. That. Okay, Do cool. you have that I jacket? So- that. No, I don't have Ah, think. no. Bookin'. Bookin'. <laughs> Literally. She gave it to me in front of a crowd full of... Okay. You know what? I'm just going to tell everyone really quick what happened. <laughs> so I was a tool, to be fair. I wanted my grandma to embroider the word ball. Is there a word? No, I'm sorry. I'm itching mine. Oh, okay. I was like, hold on. No, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's just so itchy. Side, take, take that out. <laughs> or keep it in. <laughs> um, and I called her. She had an embroidery machine. I was like, hey, I'm a sophomore. I just got on the varsity team to make the bench look bigger. Yeah, that was said to me. It's fine. It's cool. I accept it. Wait, varsity team for what? Basketball. Oh, okay. You girls Correct. have played multiple sports. I heard. We're a one trick. Well, I thought you went for like drag racing. I was like, eh, Pacific, Missouri. It could be possible. I don't no, know. No, I went down <laughs> to Bontair, Missouri. Um... <laughs> And I was like, please put ballin' on it. So she comes to the game with my jacket, and I was like, this is gonna be sweet. And then she's like, Sarah, look, I put bookin' on it just like you wanted. And I was like, Grandma, <gasps> shut it. No, I said ballin'. I even spelled it for you. And she's like, oh, you know I didn't write it down. Bookin'. Oh, no. They called me bookin' for the next two years. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay. Oh, no, it's totally fine. It I adds mean, character. To be fair, you could have worn that jacket while you were drag racing because you were booking it. Oh, I was. Mm-hmm. Missed opportunity. Yeah. I might have actually. It was just a fleece jacket. And it oh. was under the collar. It said booking. Oh, okay. I was expecting the Letterman jacket. Like, no. Big ass, oh, like, no. like literal, like, letters. Mm-hmm. Booking. No, it was just like this black fleece jacket. And she put booking okay, and cursive under really the collar. That's really cute, though. I wore it when you tried after that. Yeah. You gotta, if it's embarrassing, you gotta own it, or else you're never living it down. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. Note to everyone underage listening, just own it. Yeah. Um. And for the you know people of our age that are listening, you remember that Hannah Montana episode where she got that Christmas? Wasn't it Hannah Montana? Yeah, she got that cat sweater. Maybe. Yeah, Wasn't I think it? so. Yeah. Yeah, and like you press it, it would like sing, and everyone made fun of her. 
You gotta make, you gotta, no. Wait, I think that happened, but also Lizzie McGuire had a unicorn sweater. And it was picture day. Mm-hmm. Lizzie McGuire for Lizzie. Regardless, <laughs> own it. If your grandma bought it, yep. wear it. Mm-hmm. It's called respect. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Anyway, Sarah, your story. That's our life lesson. <laughs> yeah. Now for a dream. Ooh. Okay. I used bustle.com, monster.com, and the career advice article section. Monster. Interesting. The mm-hmm. career advice one is... Mm-hmm. What stood out and to me? ThriveGlobal.com for a dream. Interesting. Let that sink in. Cool. I found myself on it and was confused as well, but here we go. <laughs> um, this one comes from a listener, Wes. <gasps> Whoa! What? Huh? What a what a unique name. There's so many Wes's in the world. I don't know who it could be. <laughs> okay, I have a dream for you. I haven't had this vivid of a dream for a while, and there's some background involved. Which, first of all, if you are going to ride in a dream, thank you, thank you, thank you for any background that does help me. Because sometimes um, a dream could mean one of like three things. So it's easier for me to pick out how this may actually affect you. Cool. So first is that twice in the past week, things have happened that have prevented me from working. The first being connection issues to the internet. And the second being a power surge that was caused by a very brief storm that knocked out the internet again. Both of these incidents took place around... 2 p.m. So now for the dream. Are you ladies ready? Mm-hmm. I right. mean, sure. I guess. Do you feel like you've lived it? Maybe I'm scared that I'm gonna find out some stuff about myself. But here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <laughs> In case you haven't picked up, this is our editor and chief. Wes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's probably having nightmares about this podcast. <laughs> 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 um, okay. I had a dream last night. I was getting ready for work. I was still working from home, mind you, but my setup was outside for some reason. I was also in a place that seemed familiar, but was not home. I can't figure out where it's at, but like I said, it does seem familiar. Anyway, I was sitting down, getting things ready, and a fucking bear comes out of nowhere. Yeah, he cursed. Comes out of nowhere and swipes at my foot. I immediately... um curl up into a ball and just lay there while this bear rolls me around like I'm an actual ball. Good job, babe. (laughs) Hope it was a a brown bear because brown, lie down. Yeah. (laughs) Eventually, when he turns his back, I make a mad dash inside the house. Literally, I'm so relieved just to be alive and I lay in the house, tending to my foot and eventually passing out when I'm woken up by a loud banging on my door. It's the fucking bear again. (laughs) trying to break down the damn door. Eventually he runs off and then I get my ass out of there to a friend's house. At 2 p.m., underline that time, I get a call from a coworker saying my manager is super pissed I didn't clock on today. I explain the whole situation and obviously my manager does not believe me. Weird. (laughs) I say, fine. I go back to the house to find the entire house has been ransacked by this bear. Oh no. Can this bear get a life? I don't understand what you did, but <laughs> that's my own commentary. I see him in the backyard and I start recording on my phone. This motherfucker is eating the equipment for my work. <gasps> I send that to my manager and all she says is, that sucks. And then I wake up. <laughs> that's wow. Such an understanding manager. So um, really sucks. quick. Mm-hmm. Something to always keep in mind in dreams is the way you're feeling. So fear and not being believer 
two of the biggest things here. Cool. Um, and this is considered a work anxiety dream. And that is very, 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 very common. Hmm. 80% of women and about 60% of men will have these types of dreams. Mm-hmm. According to bustle.com, very rarely are these dreams about how awesome our jobs are. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're shocked. <laughs> no hands? Weird. Majority of work anxiety dreams are related to job-specific stress. So you guys remember dreams are a way for our brains to work through problems in our daily waking life. And we spend so much time at our day jobs. It makes sense to kind of carry over. Mm-hmm. Have you guys had any work stress dreams? Uh, Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, I have. Mine are always that I show up late. Like I can't get to work on time. Yes. I always have those dreams. Oh, mine are like, I, it's almost like I'm not fully asleep. So like in my brain, I'm like, Oh, I have to do this. I have to update this case. I have to do this. And then I'm like, (gasps) and I like wake up and I'm so stressed from like the Mm -hmm. the workload. Like, but it's like really, I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) But it's just like, especially like when, I don't know. I feel like it's really common when you get a new job. Mm -hmm. When I switch jobs. Oh my God. It's because, like, my job is very, like, timelines or, like, time sensitive. Yeah. So, like, I have a lot of deadlines daily. So, mm-hmm. I think that was just, like, such a big change where I was, like, don't fall asleep. Get it done. Get mm-hmm. it done. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, both those are very normal. Like, not finishing projects or, like, being late. Those are very normal nightmares to have about your job. Um, but I am interested to see how many, like, how work stress dreams change now that so many people work from home. Like, does it still have an impact? If anyone out there needs a participant for a sleep study, give me a call or an email at Sinister Sunrise Podcast. Oh, wait, no. At Sinister Sunrise Podcast at gmail.com. Not .com. You got to have the Gmail. Um, and also, this dream has to be the epitome of what anyone thinks of when you say corporate America. Like, your actual boss is, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, I hope your real boss in real life is a lot more understanding. Please. Yes. Anyway. My sentence literally says, anyway, dreams about work are (laughs) very common. (laughs) Fill in the blank. (laughs) That doesn't make sense. Okay. On the opposite side of normal is seeing a bear in a dream. This is not common um, at all. So congrats Mm. on on that. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're kind of (laughs) weird. So while most dreams about bears have positive meetings, yours... (laughs) Unfortunately, does not. Oh, no. Sometimes bears can be symbols of strength, power, or even symbols of good luck to come. And again, uh, sorry, Wes. I meant to say tis. I wrote tits. Not looking <laughs> like this is what your bear means. And that is the tits, you know? <laughs> so the following bit I call, if you give a bear a cookie. According to dreamingandsleeping.com, When you encounter an aggressive bear, it means that you are angry about something. And if that aggressive bear chases you, it can show that you have problems in your life that you are running away from. Bet you didn't see that coming. (laughs) If If that chasing bear attacks you, it further shows that you are angry or frustrated in your waking life. And it could also mean that something is threatening you in your waking life. Not necessarily physically, but like a threat nonetheless. Like your internet not working would be a threat to your like waking life because you need that to work from home. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so your work not believing you or caring is another common theme in these anxiety type dreams. So not work specific, but not being listened to or heard. And this means exactly what it sounds like. You don't feel like you're being heard 
in your day-to-day life or at your job. So you may feel underappreciated. Name a workplace that doesn't make it feel like that. Just kidding. <laughs> mine is fine. <laughs> but, Same. But like in past jobs, like yeah. you always feel like you're like, yeah, I'll do that too. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, yet again, corporate America has a bad stigma for a reason. Dun, dun, dun. If you find somewhere you don't feel like that, stay forever. Just, yeah. You just gotta grin and bear it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bear it, bear it, yeah. bear it. So bun- funny, bear right? It. So funny. <laughs> I love Aaron's <laughs> jokes. They're just like, here they are. <laughs> we always slip them in so slyly. Yeah, grin and bear it. Get it? Get mm-hmm. it? That's gonna be the title for my bit. This time. <laughs> um, let's see. So, lastly, would you guys consider? the bear workplace violence because he is assaulting your things yeah oh yeah i mean okay. also he went in your home my our house and, and <laughs> broke do you stuff. feel unsafe you yeah. should yeah i mean i do live next to a creek so i guess a bear could come and eat me so anything's possible glad you care about my safety in this dream by the way <clears throat> yeah where's morgan at <laughs> i am the bear morgan's the bear <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding that's not my spirit animal but it's fine <laughs> there's was one thing that said there's a <laughs> What's one interpretation that said a bear could be like a powerful person in your life? Hmm. But this whole dream is about work stress, so I did not go there. Thank you. (laughs) I don't think that's what it was. Yet again, whenever you include these details of what it could be about, it helps me kind of like drive home what this is probably. Yeah, this one's very specific with like, this is what it means. Sometimes like it could be this or this, which is good too. Like good to have other avenues. Yeah. Um, Okay, so. I'm concerned with workplace violence. Um, And that shows that you are overwhelmed by emotions throughout the day, meaning it could be a sign that something is difficult for you at work. So judging by your... I need to take a spelling course. Judging by your connections difficulties, I would say that's completely accurate. Especially the 2 p.m. timestamp. Your body is really trying to work through that crazy week or weeks you've had. Mm -hmm. So thanks for the dream, Wes. Hope your connectivity issues are done. And your work gets a little less stressful or, or hear me out. You could hire the bear to work for you. Okay. Yeah. Now you have the silent enforcer. Don't get the thanks you deserve. Sick the bear on him. <laughs> Boss doesn't believe you. You know what to do, bear. <laughs> so be good to yourself and don't stress too much about work this holiday season. You don't have to grin and bear it. <laughs> oh. You know what don't would happen? Around. If I was running from a bear, I'd probably get a little sweaty. Oh. Oh. Wait. Old me would be sweaty. Not anymore. I can outrun a bear and not a drop anywhere. We don't endorse outrunning bears. No. But if you Mm -hmm. were to try. Yeah. If you don't want the sweat while running from a bear, all you have to do is go to zerosweat.com. Wow. That's it. Change your life forever. Just go in. Type it in Google. First one that comes up, and at checkout, use the promo code SINISTER mm-hmm. for 20% off of a $15 purchase or more. Mm-hmm. Y'all, that's the tax. That's the shipping or something like that. So just do it. Change your life. Don't be sweaty. It's great stuff. And stay away from bears. Yeah. 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 That's all yeah. I got, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ready? So guys, I am staying in Missouri for this story. You should now. Great. And this was requested by our listener, Dion. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Wow, we all did listeners today. Yeah. Or like requests. Mm-hmm. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, wait. By the time. This whatever. is past Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy December. Woo! Thanks for listening. Happy holidays. <laughs>
holidays. <laughs> um, I will be covering the case of Pam Hupp, who the Riverfront Times dubbed as St. Louis's best local girl gone bad of 2019. Ooh, Ooh a recent case. Girl oh gone yeah, bad. you know you know this one. <gasps> the Pad Girl. Ah! Oh mm-hmm. my God. You what? know this one. You'll know this one. I also looked up the Riverfront read, Times because I was like, this is not legit. No, it is legit. There are oh. past winners, but most of them didn't murder people. Things so. crossed that could be us. <laughs> come on, come on. The first trifecta. Sinister Sunrise podcast. <laughs> We're so bad. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so here we go. This one is a long one, so I'll get right into it. Oh, Lord. Pam was the third of four siblings growing up in a Catholic home in Delwood, a small city in North St. Louis County. Her mother was a school teacher and her father worked for Union Electric. According to Jeanette Cooperman's article for St. Louis Magazine, Pam was a cheerleader at Riverview Gardens High School who enjoyed having fun, hanging out with friends, and occasionally skipping school. Friends. Hey. Oh, so bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who doesn't? <laughs> Just kidding. I never skipped. Did you skip school? Is that why you're laughing? No. Uh, never. I Is that because your mom listens to this podcast you're saying? Mm-hmm. No. I've never skipped school. Did I sneak out? Mm-hmm. Cannot confirm nor deny. Did my mom let me play hooky? She sure skippy did. There. So, yeah. Hell yeah. I got one mm-hmm. skip day a year for my birthday. Oh, that's fun. That's super cool. Yeah. All right. My mom also didn't work on Monday, so... <laughs> I envy you so much. Yeah, that's fun. All right, so she skipped school. Yeah. So the bad is already starting. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Friends described her as being drama-free, but one friend said she could sometimes be boy crazy. During senior year, she started dating a boy who would definitely be considered part of the popular crowd. He played on the high school soccer and golf teams and was a member of the National Honor Society. Her life came to a screeching halt when after graduation, she discovered she was pregnant. She ended up marrying her high school sweetheart, moved into a little apartment, and found a job as a waitress. So while her friends went off to college, she stayed behind to take care of her daughter. Okay. Mm -hmm. Her marriage was short-lived. After six years, Pam got a divorce, and she later met and married Mark Hupp, a quiet and easygoing man who had played minor league baseball for the Texas Rangers, but had gone into carpentry when he didn't get drafted. The two had a son and moved to Naples, Florida in 1989. In 2001, they returned to Missouri, bought a home in O'Fallon, and started flipping houses on the side. According to Cooperman, Pam was financially driven and cheap. Her family never went on vacations or even a like short road trip. Whoa. There was this one part I read. So I will link Cooperman's article. It's a long read, but it is great. Like It's it almost like a movie in your head. Like You can kind of see everything going on. Oh, I love that. Well, friends recall the time when Pam's daughter found a foreclosure that she fell in love with, and she told her mother how much she planned to bid on it. Pam ended up making a lower bid and got the house. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's awful. And like, not uh-huh. not for her daughter. She just no. She wanted to flip it. No, not for my her daughter. Soul yeah, a little bit. I know. I was like, this bitch. <laughs> She's bad. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow, what a bitch. Okay. Mm-hmm. She took a clerical job at a state farm office, and the first person she met was 32-year-old Betsy Faria, and the two quickly hit it off. 
Betsy was very friendly and high energy. She had a DJ business on the side, was very passionate about music, and had the ability to get a party going um, wherever she went. According to Cooperman, Pam and Betsy did lose touch until January 2010 when Betsy was diagnosed with breast cancer. Pam offered to help Betsy with whatever she needed. Ken Meyer, Betsy's dad, told Cooperman, quote, she asked me about a month later to come to one of her treatments at the cancer place, but when I got there, Pam Hupp was already sitting beside her, so we couldn't really talk. From then on, Pam Hupp took Betsy to every one of those sessions, end quote. It's very involved. She could be a great friend, but she's oh, yeah. the bad. <laughs> <laughs> she could be great. <laughs> After months of chemotherapy, Betsy was told that her cancer was in remission. To celebrate, um, her and her husband, Russell Faria, who also went by Russ, booked a celebration of life cruise for November 2011, and they invited their close uh, family and friends to join them. No, Pam was not invited. (laughs) Damn, that's kind of rude. She's not a close friend? I I guess not. No, she was not invited, is what the article said. To be uh, fair, maybe they just knew she was cheap and wouldn't want to spend money on trips. That is true. Oh. Yeah. Okay. okay that okay. could be it. Maybe she's just looking out. Maybe maybe Betsy's being a good friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just mm-hmm. want to entice you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't know if she was invited at all. She's but she houses, did not go. She's got houses to flip. Like, Too busy. Mm-hmm. In October 2011, just one month before the cruise, Betsy discovered that um, the cancer was not gone. It had spread to other parts of her body, and her doctor determined that she only had about three to five years to live. That's a turn. Whoa. Mm-hmm. A little damper on the cruise. Mm-hmm. Oh, that hurts. She decided she still wanted to go on the cruise, and Russ booked a swimming with dolphins excursion, which was something she dreamed of doing for a long time. Fast forward to December 27th, 2011. Troy, Missouri dispatchers received a call around 9.40 p.m. from Russ Faria, who had just discovered his wife's body on the living room floor. He was very panicked, sobbing, and told dispatchers that his wife had killed herself. According to attorney Nathan Swanson, First responders arrived on the scene and were led to the living room where they could immediately tell that um, Betsy was dead. Her body was cold to the touch and stiff. Her wrists were slit and a knife was sticking out of her neck. This is, wait, when did this happen? Before the cruise? No, after the cruise. So the cruise was November. This was December 27th. So like right after Christmas. Officers drove Russ to the Lincoln County Sheriff's headquarters, while detectives at the scene made a major case squad call-out, which is when police officers from all departments in the area are asked to assist with a case. Russ was questioned about his wife's movements earlier that day. He stated that Betsy had a chemotherapy appointment sometime that afternoon and that she had spent the night at her mother's house, who lived in Lake St. Louis and close to where the appointment was located um, the night before. After the appointment, she returned to her mom's house and texted Russ, telling him that Pam insisted on driving her back home that night. She mentioned to Russ that her white blood cell count was low and that she didn't get much sleep. Russ worked from home that day and told detectives he left his house at 5 p.m. to make the drive to his friend's place, who was hosting a game night. He didn't drive straight there, though. He made a stop at a gas station in Troy, and he also made a stop about halfway to his buddy's house to buy cigarettes and tea for himself and um, dog food he'd promised Betsy he would buy. Russ made it to his friend's house around 6 p.m., where the group planned on playing, like, Talisman or Rollmaster, which are, like, role-playing games. Mm -hmm. 
but they ended up watching movies instead since one of their friends wasn't able to make it. He, yeah, he stayed there until nine that evening, stopped, uh, stopping in an Arby's drive-thru and eating his order on the way home. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. you can't wait. You can't wait till home to eat Arby's. You gotta <laughs> eat it in the bag. <laughs> that part I can fully get behind. Mm-hmm. No matter what else happens in, in this story. In case you guys can't tell, Sarah's favorite place is Arby's. I haven't had in a long time. I'm getting older and so is my stomach, but mm-hmm. a roast beef after a night of drinking. Our first Valentine's Day, Clave took me to an Arby's with a candle and said, get whatever you want. And I said, I will marry you. Yeah. (laughs) And was the you were like, I'm ready for the ring. And look how far you've come. So many sandwiches I've eaten. So romantic. I love it. Continue, Arby's man. Yes. Well, when Russ arrived home, he took off his coat and walked into the living room where he discovered Betsy's lifeless body. Russ was questioned for hours, and the detective changed the topic from what Betsy had been doing that day to whether she was capable of committing suicide. In the interview footage, Russ responded, quote, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think not, but she's talked about it before, end quote. He revealed that Betsy had struggled with depression for a long time, and she had tried to hurt herself in the past. In the Snapped episode, Lincoln County prosecuting attorney Mike Wood does comment on how Betsy's history with depression and her slit wrists that Russ likely took notice of when he discovered her body could have led him to believe that his wife died by suicide. However, detectives were positive that they were dealing with a homicide. Oh. Was it the knife in the neck that gave that away? Other things okay. that will come up. I just, when I think of suicide, I don't think of anyone just gung-ho- I'm yeah. imagining like a, it, they, a saw butcher yeah. knife, which maybe that's not. In book. the snapped episode I watched, they definitely said it didn't really match up to what they've Those seen two before in suicides. Alone. Yeah, yeah. And like normally you don't. It's like one one action usually. Mm-hmm. Russ told the detective that if Betsy didn't die by suicide, he had no idea what happened to her. Back at the Faria home, investigators are piecing together their version of what they believed happened. EMT and fire department officials noted that rigor mortis had set in and blood from the scene had dried up, so Betsy had likely Mm. been dead for a few hours. Crime scene techs searched the home and discovered blood on a light switch in the master bedroom and a bloody pair of Russ's slippers that were lying in the master bedroom closet. No evidence pointed to this being a break-in gone wrong. After the evidence was gathered and sent off for testing, the results came back inconclusive. There were also no fingerprints found on the murder weapon. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, you you wiped the weapon you wanted to look like a suicide? Is that what we're getting at? No, they found no fingerprints on it, but I guess somebody did. Yes. Like not even her own? Like Sorry, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. When like you expect either, to see one set of prints yeah, or something, yeah. And either you were she was killed, that person wore gloves, but like couldn't you have like gone the whole thing and like put her hand on it? Like Unless you're doing the killing. Don't listen to any of this. This sounds like... No. Mm-hmm. This sounds like we're giving you advice. Um, we're not We're not an ask... We're not an ask column. So, yeah. Um, just more like, this is how our brains work and we're trying to put the pieces together. Okay. Yes, I see what you're saying. That okay. is very odd that there are no fingerprints. Yeah. On the night. I'm glad you're with me. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> I see what you're saying now. Yeah. The following day, an autopsy determined that Betsy had been stabbed 55 times. What? Mm-hmm. And many of those wounds were inflicted after Betsy was already dead. Whoa. Yeah. So what they said is with, like, the clothes she was wearing, um, 
they kind of concealed how many times she had been stabbed. It wasn't very blood. Yes. Whoa. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. 55. Someone could call that overkill. Yes, I would say that. Um, there were stab wounds to her back, which kind of threw the suicide theory out the window. Like, and, there's um, no. I don't know, the, the wounds after death part? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even her ghost is still angry? Right. Like, that doesn't work like that. <laughs> no. Detectives believed they were dealing with a rage killing and that Russ was their prime suspect. His 911 call and alibi were highly scrutinized. The fact that he outright stated that Betsy died by suicide didn't sit well with detectives, and they believed he was putting on an act. Swanson, on the other hand, said otherwise in the snapped episode. He described the call as heartbreaking. Quote, there's nothing about it that strikes one as forced or fake, end quote, which I would also agree when I like heard it on the snapped episode. It didn't sound fake to me mm. when I listened to it. The friends he met up with for game night were questioned, but their alibis like checked out. They matched dresses. Investigators looked at surveillance footage from the convenience stores, gas station, and I'm assuming the Arby's he stopped at that evening. And their thinking was it was strange that he made all of those stops, um, but it seemed like his alibi checked out. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to a game night, I have a couple brewskis while I watch movies or play games in the room, and you know, it's kind of late. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a- that's totally common. So did I not just say after a couple yeah. drinks, yeah. Arby sits so... Well, not doesn't sit well, but it sounds yeah. good. Yeah. And I'll say, like, he did make multiple stops before him. Like, he got gas at one place. Then yeah. he picked up cigarettes at another. Yeah. Then he went somewhere else to buy the dog food, like, before. No. I'll get into that later, though. Okay, yeah. I was like, no okay. offense to men, but it sounds like a typical man. Like, oh, I forgot like, that. Like, sat down and we're like, oh, shit. She's going to kill me. All right. right. Oh, I forgot the cigarettes. Uh, But that's just what, like, the investigators are like. That's really strange. Is he trying to make an alibi by stopping at all these places? That's what they're thinking. All right. All right. I Mm -hmm. mean, it does. I'm glad that they are looking into it so far, like, this seriously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Investigators also paid a visit to Betsy's friend, Pam Hupp. She told detectives that nothing seemed out of the ordinary when she dropped Betsy off around 7 p.m. the other night. She did mention that the Faria home had looked strangely dark, and she thought Russ might have been home early since a silver Nissan Maxima was in the driveway. When asked if she thought Russ could have harmed Betsy, Pam began to say that he would never hurt her, but then said, oh, there was this one time. She claimed that Betsy had typed up a document she had planned on sending to her, which described how she woke up to Russ holding a pillow over her face and telling her, I wanted you to know what it felt like to die. And that raised no red flags? I don't know. (laughs) According to Cooperman, Pam also told detectives that Betsy was wanting to move back to Lake St. Louis, which was closer to her mom, friends, and chemotherapy appointments. She planned on introducing the idea to Russ the night Pam dropped her off, but she had a feeling he would be furious. In the Snapped episode, Betsy's friend Rita was interviewed, and she said she initially thought Russ had something to do with her friend's death. The way she talked about him in the episode, and like his marriage to Betsy, didn't scream killer though. (laughs) Rita described Russ as a very nice guy who loved Betsy's outgoing nature. The couple tied the knot in early 2000, and Russ became stepdad to Betsy's daughters, Leah and Mariah. They were very supportive of each other's dreams. Betsy even encouraged Russ to go back to school, and he ended up getting his degree and was hired on at Enterprise Holdings. Their relationship wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, though. They had their fair share of fights, and they did separate for a bit. However, Betsy wanted to make her marriage work, and eventually they were able to 
communicate and fix their problems. She told Rita she felt like she was falling in love with Russ all over again. Well, that's sweet. I know. Yeah. On December 28th, 2011, Russ was brought in for a second interview where detectives asked point blank if he killed his wife. He said he did no such thing, and they asked if he would be willing to take a polygraph. Our favorite thing. No, Mm -hmm. Russ, no. No, Russ, no. Ask for a lawyer. Agreed. And once um, he was finished, detectives informed him that some of his responses were deceptive and he ultimately failed the test. No, Russ, no. No, Russ, no. Well, like the narrator or voiceover for the episode was like, this failed polygraph was damning. And I was like, was it though? Since when though? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Since when is it damning? Also, um, there was no way he was relaxed during it because he had been up at that point for like 32 hours straight. Oh my God. And he had admitted to smoking some pot at his friend's house, which could have skewed the results. Honestly, you just found your wife dead. You now Mm -hmm. are in charge of the family. Everyone thinks you did it. Exactly. Yeah. He's been getting grilled. I, if if marijuana is the worst thing you did that day, Good for you. Because yeah. that sounds terrible. That yeah. is a terrible day. I also read something interesting. So in Cooperman's article, um, Russ's defense attorney, Joel Schwartz, thought that the Lincoln County detectives might have given Russ a faux polygraph, which is legal but has to be disclosed. And Schwartz claimed to have never received any notice of one um, if that was the case. The only documentation he received that a polygraph had been done was a consent form and a typed summary that Russ gave deceptive responses. Russ even offered to take a second polygraph, but the Lincoln County prosecutor declined. They got what they needed. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, that's really interesting. Days after Betsy's murder, investigators obtained a warrant to search the home for evidence that blood had been cleaned up. They used a chemical called luminol and sprayed it all over the master bedroom, which um, apparently ended up detecting trace amounts of blood. Detectives also claimed to have discovered a trail of blood and evidence of cleaned up blood on one drawer where towels were located. Now, I emphasized apparently because police officers later testified that their cameras had malfunctioned and the crime scene photos revealing this evidence of trace blood never developed. (laughs) There's a lot going on. (laughs) Jesus. Also, like, of course there's going to be trace blood in there. You said there's some on the light switch in the bedroom and on his slippers. So they're trying to find trace blood that has been cleaned up. So that blood they could easily see. They're but trying like, to find, there's like... There's blood everywhere, so I'm like, why would someone clean it yeah. up? Well, there wasn't blood everywhere, though. Oh. They found her in the front room. They're yes, checking living the rest room. of the house they're to checking... see if the crime happened somewhere else, right? Maybe Ooh, they or like a fingerprint or something. Okay, 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 okay. Right? Am I following you? Yeah. So I think they're just trying understand. to see if, like, okay, if Russ was the one who did it, he would have cleaned up. He would have cleaned himself off. Maybe there's blood other places. Oh, in the shower and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So despite that, they figured that only someone who knew where the towels were located could have cleaned the uh, blood up without leaving traces elsewhere in the house. And the only person who could have pulled this off was Russ Faria. Mm. Bullshit. There's like six places most people keep a towel in their home. All Mm -hmm. I want to do is that bit from um, Legally Blonde where she's like, it couldn't be Russ. He had Arby's, and Arby's releases endorphins, and, endorphins <laughs> and happy people don't kill people. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> On January 4th, 2012, Russ was indicted for first-degree murder. His bail was set at $250,000, which he was unable to make. 
Russ's trial began over a year later on November 18th, 2013. The prosecution argued that Russ's friends were not reliable, even going so far as to say that they were involved in his plan to kill Betsy or at least help him cover it up as part of the quote unquote ultimate role play. What the mm-hmm. fuck? It's crazy. Sorry, I'm not talking. My hands are just upon my face. I know. It's very shocking. They they got that from... Oh, you should see... Again, read the article. Because this Schwartz guy who's defending him is, like, about to explode. He literally stands up and he's like, so now you're convicting not just Russ, but all these other friends with no evidence. Were they also doing satanic rituals? Like, right, yeah. Why don't we just throw they're, that in? They're role-playing games, man. Fucking idiots. How they, yeah. Mm-hmm. The prosecution laid out their theory to the jury. Russ left the game night early, made all of these stops that were described as quote-unquote irregular for him. Then he arrived home and murdered Betsy, taking time afterwards to clean himself up and stage the scene before calling 911. I'm sorry, why would he need to pick up dog food to go kill his wife? Would you be thinking about dog food? Well, also, like... But that was their thing, was, like, he was setting up an alibi. Like, oh, if he has all of these... What time did he call the police? Like, 10? No, it was, like, 9.40-ish. Okay. I think. She dropped her off at 7.30. Around, so, yeah. I feel like that's not a big window for her to be in rigor mortis and the blood to be drying and, like, that's that's a tight window. Oh, yes. Even I'll get to that in a second. He did it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, again, all of the evidence the prosecution presented was completely circumstantial. They didn't have any physical, concrete evidence to present, but they did have their star witness. Pam Hupp took the yeah. stand and said Betsy had a couple life insurance policies, but she ended up filing a change of life insurance form from Russ's name to Pam's because she was afraid Russ would blow all of the money. This form was filled out four days before her murder, and the prosecution theorized that Betsy told Russ about this change um, in her life insurance policy, and he became so enraged, he murdered her. See, that is fucked up, because Mm -hmm. if he really is evil, he'd be like, oh, baby, I would never do that. Put it back in my name. And then fucking kill her. Yeah, why would he kill her now that he doesn't get anything out of it? Yeah. Not that you want to get something out of murder, but if you're trying to do an out, you know what I'm saying? Yes. There was no benefit for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Is he just so mad that they like didn't have yeah, they are. curly fries that he went home and that was the thing that pushed him over the <laughs> yeah. edge? I think they're trying to like paint it as like, oh, this is a rage killing. So we heard about it and he was so enraged it just happened. I mean, I can see why you think it's rage because it was 55 stabs. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. But... Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pam also brought up the incident where Betsy woke up to Russ holding a pillow over her face, which had never been confirmed, but it definitely didn't paint Russ in a great light. What if she was just snoring and he's like, I just need you to shut your mouth. (laughs) Three days later, the case was turned over to the jury. After four hours of deliberation, they found Russ guilty for the murder of Betsy Faria, and he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Damn. This kind of stuff terrifies me. Mm -hmm. His defense attorneys were shocked. They thought that Russ had a good chance at an acquittal because he had, you know, the solid alibi and all of his friends at the game night said he was there. Their alibis matched. Everything was circumstantial. Mm Mm-hmm. According to Cooperman, one of the officers clocked Russ's drive home that night at 23 minutes. So if that was correct, 
that would have only given Russ nine minutes to stab Betsy 55 times, get himself cleaned up, and stage the scene before contacting 911. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. I've never met a man that efficient. <laughs> should let me go yeah. on the stand. <laughs> I mean, am I right, ladies? Like, yes. Yeah. No offense to Clay, he doesn't even know where the cleaning stuff is. <laughs> Wes is a very, love him. Yeah. Love you, but uh, very s- slow. Like, deliberate with movements. Mm-hmm. Which you need. That's why everyone works well together. I'm just saying, who... Nine minutes is not enough time. Nope. No, not at all. No. At, I've tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at the trial, Swanson tried to get the judge and jury to look at Pam as a potential suspect, but anytime he questioned her statements or brought up a possible motive, the judge shut him down. Oh. And during the trial, he said, quote, I don't know if I should strip naked, tear my hair out, or just ram my head into the bench to get your attention. End quote. Again, he was done. Whoa. He was so done with it. The verdict didn't set well with Betsy's daughters either. Uh, Leah and Mariah, who had been convinced that Russ was the killer and had actually kind of testified against him at the trial, told um, Betsy's friend Rita, quote, I feel like they put the wrong person in prison, end quote. But I mean, I could kind of see it because like the media and everything is painting him as the bad guy. Well, and they're also grieving their mom. Like you want to place blame. They're telling you this is the person to blame. Mm hmm. You've better, seen them it's fight. better than not knowing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I can kind of get it. At Russ's trial, Pam said that $100,000 had been put into a trust fund for Betsy's daughters, and they just had to ask for it whenever they wanted it. When Leah and Mariah reached out to Pam months later, she never turned the money over to them. Turns out she had set up a revocable trust, and once the trial was over and Russ had been found guilty, she had canceled it. Isn't that convenient? <laughs> Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Leah and Mariah filed a lawsuit for the money, and a civil trial was held. Pam told the judge that Betsy wanted her to have the money, and that she could use the money however she wanted. And this was pretty shady, since she said, like, the complete opposite at Russ's trial. But she did claim the prosecution told her to put the money into a trust fund for Betsy's daughters. So basically saying it wasn't her idea, this was the prosecution's idea. So she just only half lied? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's not equal. Mm-hmm. Detective Sergeant Ryan McCarrick interviewed Pam about Betsy's life insurance policy in June 2012, where Pam revealed that Betsy was allegedly afraid of Leah and Mariah spending all of the money. So kind of same situ- same thing, excuse she gave about Russ. Uh-huh. Russ was going to blow all the money. My kids are going to blow all of the money. Well, thank God Pam is there I know. to just take care of it and spend it the way she mm-hmm. wants. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and she said she planned on holding on to the life insurance money until Betsy's daughters met certain criteria. So they couldn't act wildly. Um, they couldn't spend the money on like parties or cars. Again, not blowing it. And she also claimed to be doing this in honor of Betsy. What a good Hi. friend. Uh, you're not their mom. Mm-hmm. So F off. Yeah. <laughs> it's also not your money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She had this extremely confident attitude during the civil trial, which didn't fade because there wasn't much to argue, unfortunately. Pam's name was the only one on the life insurance policy. The judge ruled in Pam's favor, but she didn't get away entirely unscathed. She came under a lot of suspicion, especially since she was the last person to have seen Betsy alive. And some new information about her had come to light. Pam had been previously fired from two life insurance jobs for forging signatures. Huh. Mm-hmm. 
She claimed she suffered from such intense back, neck, and leg pain that she was unable to work and received monthly disability checks for, even though video footage showed her like walking and at, like at one point running from like a Fox 2 News camera just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> such pain, such pain. Mm-hmm. Pam's mother, Shirley Newman, had also died suspiciously a month before Russ was found guilty. On October 31st, 2013, a housekeeper at Lakeview Park, an assisted living community in Fenton, went to Shirley's room to check on her when she discovered the door cracked open. When she looked inside the apartment to investigate, she heard the water running in the bathroom and noticed the patio door wide open. The balcony railing was broken, and when she peered over, she saw Shirley's body on the ground below. So she suffered from dementia and arthritis. Shirley had also recently been confused and had... um, like suffered from a fall. Police investigated her death, but did not deem it as suspicious, even though an autopsy determined she had eight times the typical dose of Ambien in her system. (sighs) The community manager told police on October 29th, Shirley spent the night with Pam after she went to the hospital for back pain. Pam brought her mother back to Lakeview Park the next day around 5 p.m. and told staff that her mother would not be attending dinner that evening or breakfast the following morning, but that she would probably want lunch. While Shirley's death could be seen as an accident, Schwartz thinks Pam had something to do with it, especially since she told the detective in charge of the Faria investigation, quote, if I really, I hate to say it, wanted money, my mom's worth half a million that I get when she dies. If I really wanted money, there was an easier way, end quote. Mm -hmm. that's a heartwarming thought it is yeah no she's and that's not the only time she mentioned it like there was a different interview she mentioned like i think her husband's like life insurance policy too just very weird remember that this holiday season there's always an easier way Mm -hmm. to get money especially if your mom's worth half a mil yeah 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 oh god with all of these new findings, Schwartz drafted a Mooney motion, which had been granted only three times in Missouri history and is different from an appeal, which he had already filed for. This motion told the court that there was new evidence for a judge to consider, which could lead to Russ being exonerated. In June 2015, after spending three and a half years in prison, Russ was released after his bond was reduced. The retrial began in November of that same year, where the presiding judge would decide Russ's fate. So no jury this time. Good. The And this time, the prosecution didn't allow Pam to take the stand, probably realizing she wasn't a reliable witness like they originally thought. Uh-huh. Is anyone a reliable witness in this case? No. And she's, um, gosh, she just keeps on saying all sorts of stuff. Like in a new videotaped interview, Pam had told detectives that she and Betsy had been lovers, and Betsy had planned on telling Russ that she wanted to leave him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it that she gets more and more drama. Yeah, like it's not even it like the fact that that claim is just out there. It's just that it's like, wait, one more thing. Mm-hmm. It's so salacious. Yep. Like, hold, oh, and did I tell you? Hold my yeah. drink. <laughs> her story continuously changed, which she adamantly blamed on her numerous head injuries and Ambien she's had to take. <gasps> she Ambien. Yeah, I know, right? She also took it. Mm -hmm. She now tried claiming that she had not only seen Russ's car at home um, on the night of Betsy's murder, but that she had spotted Russ and another man inside the car that night. So she's all over the place. (laughs) 
During the retrial, the defense attacked the state's evidence they had gathered from the Faria home. They questioned the blood found on Russ's slippers, which appeared to have been dipped in Betsy's blood and placed in the master bedroom. So there was blood on the top and um, the bottom of the slippers, but no bloody for, uh, footprints were ever discovered in the house. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Eerie. Yeah. Crime scene investigator Amy Butner testified that she'd found no sign of a cleanup at the scene. The document Pam had alluded to when she was first interviewed by detectives was found, um, and it read, I know we talked about this yesterday, but I feel I really need you to believe me. I really do feel that Russ is going to do something to me. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> he continued to tell me how much money he would make after I die. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Last night was the worst. I fell asleep on the couch while watching TV. I woke up to Russ holding a pillow over my face. Dot, dot, dot. He said that he wanted me to know what dying feels like. I need to change my life insurance. Dot, dot, dot. Do you think I could put it in your name and you could help my daughters when they need it? Dot, dot, dot. If something happens to me, would you please show this to the police? Everything in that is contradicting itself or contradicting Pam. Mm-hmm. Like Pam's like, no, it's for me. But the but that letter you claim she wrote says it's for her daughters. With so, no contingencies. With, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. So, okay. Also, I know we we're past the timeline of Russ, but like if Pam says she didn't drop her off until 730 and mm-hmm. claims she saw his car in the driveway. Yeah. Yes. Can't, isn't that easily wiped out with him being on other cameras at stores you would think okay but you can see where the state's looking uh-huh and nowhere else i just think that'd be like step one yeah we well, got a solid alibi is my thing i don't understand yeah yes unless oh unless okay hear me out mm-hmm. are they trying to say he didn't actually go to the friend's house or maybe he did like dipped his toes inside got a friend yes did the deed probably dropped him off then drove around because they Maybe. can only qualify those 25 minutes since the friends aren't believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Since they're nerds, apparently. <laughs> Role-playing to the extreme, apparently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rita told Cooperman that Betsy would never have typed up her feelings in a document. She always flew by the seat of her pants, and Betsy would have reached out to Rita for help if she needed it. The trial lasted for four days, and Judge Stephen Omer found Russ not guilty of the crime, stating that the investigation was quote, rather disturbing, end quote, and raised more questions than answers. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Even if he did do it, which that letter is damning, yes. But you have no proof that he was there. Mm-hmm. Well, and with that, like, document, there even, again, in Cooperman's article, you can read it more, but I think they're thinking that Pam just typed it up. Yeah. And, like, saved it to, like, Betsy's computer or something. Like, also, I just feel like there's so many other crimes that are, like, Oh, we don't, it's all circumstantial. We don't really have a case. Yeah. What? The, that's the same thing here. You don't have a case. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you have a case because of the murder, but not against Russ. Okay. Yeah. It's just weird. There's two prime suspects. 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 Mm-hmm. And you only looked at one. Yeah. They yep. didn't look at anyone else. So. Not the last person to see didn't, her. Didn't look at Apparently Pam, not. Didn't look at the her daughters. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's. Families where you look first. Yes. Yeah. We kind of went with Russ and stuck with them. So now, a year later, on August 16th, 2016, dispatchers received a call from a woman who stated that her home was being broken into. The woman said, quote, hey, hello, there's someone breaking into my house. Help. 
end quote. And I said it like that because it was pretty monotone. There was like no sense of like worry or danger in her voice. Why do I feel like that would be you if someone's breaking in like, hey, I don't like want to bother you, but um, <laughs> someone's in my house. So if you're if you're on the way, mm-hmm. I mean, I can probably fight them off myself. But like if you want to come make a report. I'll do a little drive-by. That's yeah. cool. Thank you. <laughs> I've been called the glue, yeah. so I don't want to rush it. But yeah. it's fine. I can hold it together yes. until you get here. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's like me last night when I was like, why is my TV on? Is someone in my house? This is how I go. Yet again, exactly why I think you'd like, don't mean to bother. Um, someone's in my house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a man's voice could be heard as well, and there appeared to be a struggle going on. A few seconds later, the sound of gunshots were heard. The smoke detectors went off, and the woman came back on the line, telling the dispatcher that she shot the intruder. When... <laughs> Whoa. I'm sorry. We're going to breeze. Whoa. I mm-hmm. shot him. I shot him dead. Mm-hmm. When asked who broke into her home, the woman responded, I don't know, and begged for them to hurry. So lo and behold, the woman on the phone was none other than Pam Hupp, whose name was familiar to former O'Fallon Police Lieutenant Mike uh, Growich and his team. Police arrived at her home and officers were led into the hallway near her bedroom where they found the deceased intruder. O'Fallon police detective Kevin Mountain asked Pam if she was willing to come to the station for an interview. While Pam was being transported to the police station, investigators processed the crime scene. The man's shorts were checked and a Ziploc bag with a note, $900 in cash, and a ballpoint pen were discovered. The note said, go to Pam's house, get Russ's money, take Pam back to Woodpile behind Russ's house. The man had no phone or identification on him, but they were able to obtain his fingerprints, which positively identified him as 33-year-old Louis Gumpenberger. Pam was questioned about the incident, and she told detectives that she had just returned home from running errands when a car pulled up right behind her. A man jumped out and made his way into her car. He held a knife to her throat and told her to give him Russ's money. Pam said um, the man looked over his shoulder multiple times, and she was able to use one of those opportunities to knock the knife out of his hand and escape into her home. As she ran towards her bedroom, she called 911, but the man continued to pursue her. Oh, she ran? She ran. I know, right? She did. It's amazing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Adrenaline. Adrenaline. I know. Sure. Uh Uh-huh. It can do crazy things. That's why she's so calm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she was able to grab a gun she kept in her drawer and shot him until the gun ran out of bullets. She believed the man was sent by Russ Faria to collect Betsy's life insurance money. Uh, Pam like stayed for a bit, but ended up leaving the police station after her husband um, brought her a lawyer. Is her husband not concerned for his life? Right. It seems like it. I'm not saying she did it, but everyone around her is ending mm-hmm. up dead. Right. I don't know. He's. Mm. <laughs> the following day, police were notified that Lewis's mother had reported him missing. They arrived at Margaret Birch's home to, you know, tell her the bad news and to also question her about whether she thought her son, um, you know, committed the crime. Lewis was a father who had lived in O'Fallon for most of his life. His mother said Lewis was loving and caring, and his former girlfriend, Shannon Zoll, described him as funny and someone who always tried to make other people laugh. The two had an on-again, off-again relationship, but even when they ended things, they stayed friends and raised their son and daughter as co-parents. Initially, investigators played with the theory that this could have been a murder for hire, but Margaret quickly shut that theory down. 
She told investigators there was absolutely no way Lewis could break into anyone's home because he could barely move the right side of his body after he had been in a car accident that resulted in a traumatic brain injury. Oh. I know. Very sad. You pick on a literally physical, physically disabled person to do. To be mm-hmm. fair, Betsy was struggling with cancer. Yeah. And her mom had dementia. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How lucky of, a... of Pam to be surrounded by these poor, unfortunate souls. Poor, mm-hmm. unfortunate souls. Thank you. You're mm-hmm. welcome. O'Fallon detectives received a call from a state Charles County police officer who had interviewed a local woman named Carol Alford about an incident that took place the previous week that could be related to their case. Carol arrived at the O'Fallon Police Department for an extended interview and told officers she had been sitting on her porch sometime the other week when she noticed a black SUV slow down, pull up her driveway, and rolled rolled the window down. A blonde lady with short hair waved and introduced herself as a producer for Dateline NBC. She offered Carol the opportunity to earn $1,000 by recording a 911 call reenactment for the show. And, like, in the video, Carol was like, yeah, should I have gotten into the car? Probably not, but she did. She got into the SUV and the woman started driving seemingly to the location where they were going to film the reenactment. However, Carol began to think that the whole situation was off. So Uh she started coming up with, you know, all sorts of reasons for the woman to turn around and drive her back home. She at first was like, shoot, I, you know, I forgot these shoes I was going to wear. And the woman responded, oh, you won't need those shoes and Mm -hmm. continued driving. Then Carol was like, yeah, you're right, but I left my door unlocked and I really need to get back. The woman ended up driving Carol back to her home and waited for her outside. What the woman didn't know was that Carol had security cameras set up around the outside of her house. After a few minutes, Carol came back outside and told the woman that she no longer wanted to participate in this Dateline reenactment. It was at that point that the driver noticed the cameras and she jerked her head back into the SUV. She also told the woman um, that she had a knife and was about to call the police. The SUV quickly drove away and Carol walked back into her home unharmed. Very, that's frightening. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Whoa. Okay. Carol handed over the security footage, which had caught the car's license plate and the woman's face. The plate came back to a company that was owned by Pam Hupp and her husband. Hmm. Mm Hmm. Surprise, surprise. According to Snapped, evidence suggested Pam was driving around St. Charles, looking for someone who would be willing to get into her car. Six days later, she shot and killed Louis Gumpenberger, and less than 45 minutes before she made that 911 call, her cell phone had pinged um, around uh, Louis's mother's St. Charles neighborhood. Very sad. Mm-hmm. She was setting the whole thing up? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So literally a random person. Yes. Wow. On the morning of August 23rd, 2016, Pam was arrested at her home. She was placed in an interview room, and she told detectives that she wanted to speak to her attorney. While the detectives were out of the room, she grabbed one of the detectives' pens that was sitting on the table and hid it inside her clothing. When they returned, she asked if she could use the bathroom. So an officer escorted her, waited outside the door until she was finished. Pam took the pen and stabbed herself multiple times in the neck and wrists. The escorting officer walked into the bathroom and found Pam covered in blood. Paramedics were able to stabilize her and get her to a nearby hospital, though. Sucks. 
So this definitely wasn't the actions of an innocent person. No. Mike Wood believed Russ's acquittal led Pam to kill Lewis as a very sloppy way of covering her tracks and to throw suspicion on Russ Faria. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The St. Charles County DA attempted to seek the death penalty, but in June 2019, Pam agreed to an Alford plea deal. And this is a special type of plea in which a person does not admit they committed a crime, but they acknowledge that the state has enough evidence to convict them. What a- this is the stupidest <laughs> thing. This is also yes. in the West Memphis 3 case. This is the dumbest thing ever. Yes, I don't understand that. <laughs> that, that needs to go. Mm-hmm. According to Snapped, Pam was cocky and combative during her trial, and she gave smug answers to the judge. On August 12, 2019, Pam Hupp was sentenced to life without parole for the murder of Lewis Gumpenberger. She is currently serving her sentence at Chillicoth Correctional Center. Um, now, a couple other things I found out when I was researching this. Pam's brother, Michael Newman, believed his mother's death um, is accidental, and he had filed a wrongful death suit against the assisted living community and the manufacturer of, like, the railing. But when Pam was charged with Lewis's murder, he dropped the suit, stating that it would be, quote, a circus, end quote. The manner of Shirley's death was changed from accidental to undetermined, um, but her case hasn't been reopened. In more recent news, Margaret Birch filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Pam for the death of her son and was awarded $3 million in July of this year. Russ filed a civil suit against the Lincoln County prosecutor and the three detectives who investigated his wife's death in 2016, alleging that they, quote, fabricated evidence, ignored exonerating evidence, and failed to investigate the other obvious suspect, end quote. In March of this year, an insurance company agreed to pay Russ $2 million um, for the settlement. According to Chris Hayes reporting for Fox 2, in September 2020, Pam handwrote a 10-page motion to vacate her conviction, claiming she was pressured by her attorneys and the jail to take a plea. Shut the fuck up. Sorry. No. I honestly don't know how long those motions take, but I don't see that going anywhere. And a month later, Mark Hupp filed for divorce. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah. Huh. Makes sense. Good, good one on you, bud. Yeah. Um, Lincoln County prosecutor Mike Wood has officially reopened Betsy Faria's case. Pam continues to claim that she had nothing to do with her murder, but if and when more findings are released, I will keep you guys updated. And that is the crazy story of Pam Hutt. Ooh, Pam. I'm sorry, you're saying Pan or Pam? Pan? 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 Pam? 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 Anyway. Either way. I hate you, Pam. Pam Hup. I've actually never heard of that case. Mm. Really? Look at the we'll pull. Yes, uh, one of the pictures we'll post yeah. for the for the episode. I'm because sure. there is the one where she does have. That's what Morgan was talking about. Since it was taken right after she like, she, like stabbed herself like, in the she neck. She has like sanitary pads on her. That's neck. it. Yeah. <laughs> and she always looks like so smug and she's such a crazy ass man. Yeah. And you okay? So there is that. Um, oh. So I was. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. you see. Yeah, that one. Well, I was reading on Wikipedia. It said, like, Betsy Faria's murder has been covered, like, so many times on Dateline. Um, Like, it comes just before, like, the O.J. Simpson case and the John JonBenet Ramsey case. It's been covered, like, five times in different ones. And then was Dateline the one that did that recent podcast, like, a year or two ago, the thing about Pam? Is that a Dateline one? 
I think it was. Okay. I, I did listen I listened, to that one. Honestly, I listened, I listened to that, the thing about Pam. It might have been Wondery. I, Ooh, let me see. I can't remember. Yeah, let's get our sources. The majority of this case would have happened, like, when I was in college, so I think I was in my own bubble. Yeah, this is, I don't know anything about this. It's wild. Oh, excuse me. It says, no. She looks yeah, like a Dateline. Oh, okay. I was like, I yeah. can't remember. I've listened to well, so many. You can yeah. see her being like, can I speak to your manager? Mm-hmm. But like, also, <laughs> like, put your thumbs over her hair, and she is a terrifying person. Like, look, no hair. Boop. Yeah, not good. Like, you look good with your little blowout, Pam. That's probably the last one you're ever going to get because you're in jail the rest of your life. Yes. She fucking murdered two people. Potentially three. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, she's only arrested for one murder. So well, hopefully they find out more information about one, Betsy's case. We well, yeah, don't get too it. Many. We don't get it. Yes. Yes. And the death of her mother really throws me off. So. So sad. It is really sad. I hope. I don't, I don't know, man. That ambient in her system. I know. That's and like she's not coming for dinner or breakfast. I, I mean, wouldn't check on her till eleven a.m. tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what? That's weird. It is really weird. So, but yeah, she's in prison, thankfully. So, bless. She's not, that. you know, murdering anyone else. She's not out and about. Not out mm-hmm. and about. Yes. You won't see her this holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're worried about people like her, you know where you could go for a holiday gift. Meltyface.com. Yeah. Very safe from your own home. Mm-hmm. Woo! Custom artwork. And if you enter the code SINISTER, SISTERS, yeah. SISTERS at checkout, you get free shipping. Woo! Yeah. That's SISTERS plural. Mm-hmm. SINISTER SISTERS. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Ladies. So, thanks, Erin. Thanks, Dion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Dion. <laughs> I've been meaning to tackle that one for a bit, but I knew it was the long one, so it took me... Yeah, a while. I needed a good week, and this was the perfect week to do it. So, yeah, yeah, if you guys listening have any other requests for us, send those requests to Sinister Sunrise Podcast at um, gmail.com. While you're at it, check us out on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, our name, um, Sinister Sunrise. I think TikTok is Sinister underscore Sunrise underscore podcast, if I'm correct. Correct. We have cool little facts on there of Mm -hmm. our uh, stories we tell. Mm -hmm. So check those out. Follow us. And then go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us out. Helps other people, you know, find us. Yes. Yeah. Besides that, guys. Yeah. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. See ya. Thank you. Bye.